Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Teal Tinted Glasses podcast. I am so glad that everybody's here. Um, I do apologize for um, the lack of shows uh, of late. And I have my audio in my ear, so we got to turn that off. And my phone's freaking out. Anyway, so I do apologize for the uh, delay. And I do apologize for a few things. And I do, this is kind of the way I did want to start the show with uh, somewhat of an apology. Uh, so uh, let's get that out of the way first. I, I want to apologize because I said our, our, our goal when we set out to do this this year was to do this every other weekish. And it's been a month since we've been on. And there's a lot to that. Um, you know, there's, I've had some pretty awful stuff happen uh person in my personal life um i don't know me you know my grandfather passed away and i think that kind of put me on my ass a lot worse than i thought it would um and i think it took me a while to really process that and deal with that um and also i think that this team is incredibly unlikable right now um, with everything going on, and we did cover like the Evander Kane stuff in the last show, but with, with all this stuff going on, like I don't know if there has ever been a time where I've been less pumped to talk about this team because I think that you know, obviously, I think things in the chat and everything eventually, uh, you know, Evander Kane, it's gonna kind of circle back to Evander Kane, and. You know, I said in the last show, and I, I do kind of regret the way we covered in the last show. Not that I regret anything I said, because I meant everything I said. And I think I stand behind everything I said. I just, the thing was in the last show was I really didn't go into it with a layout. So I thought that when we finally got to talking about Evander Kane, we kind of talked in circles for like 40 minutes. And I, I, I wish the only, like in hindsight, I wish going back, I would have laid that out better so that we kind of hit the important things and maybe got through that topic quicker than we did. Um, so the latest on Evander Kane, and, and again, I, I, I'm going to hit this right off the top and then I'm done talking about it for the night. Um, the latest on Evander Kane is obviously that the NHL um, are having trouble, you know, with their investigation into Evander Kane's alleged gambling on uh, hockey. And, I said this in the last show, and I, I still think it's true. Like it, this route was going to be very difficult because the NHL, in order to act on this, they're going to have to find an incredibly smoking gun. And thus far, they haven't. Um, and you know, and that's kind of to be expected. Uh, I think I, I think the idea that you know the NHL was going to find something and it was going to be you know clear you know clear cut and Evander Kane was going to be gone and that was going to solve all the problems, I I had very low faith in that happening. Um, so I mean, right now as it stands, uh, you know the Sharks are going to go into camp with Evander Kane on the team, uh, for better or worse, and I will let that you know you can decide for yourself if that is for better or for worse. Um, and I said, like, that is, that's kind of where we are with Evander Kane, and I really don't want to fucking talk about it anymore. 
because like it's awful, right? Like everything else that's going on. I mean, it's a divorce. Divorces are messy. They're gross. And you know, again, the tea, the tea, you know, the teas in in, in teal tinted glasses are for teal tinted glasses, not TMZ tinted glasses. So. I think that's as far as we're going to go. Um, obviously, I'm not alone tonight. Um, tonight, we, I am also joined by Mr. Hockey Jerk. Mr. Hockey Jerk, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. You uh, you opened the show with an apology. I have nothing to apologize for. There you go. Um, <laughs> no, you know what? I'm, I'm I'm glad to be back. It was, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say that I any had any bad or unfortunate things happen to me this last month, but it, I just feel like this month was weird. I don't really, I don't have a good reason for why it was just weird. You know, I wasn't, yeah. you know, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, wasn't really on Twitter a lot. I wasn't on discord as much as I normally am. It was I don't know, just kind of a weird month. You know, I was more focused on, you know, everything else really. And I think, you know, as excited as I am for hockey to come back, you know, I already have the um, the three dates that the Sharks are going to be in Vegas this year. I already have them marked on my calendar, so I'm obviously excited for that. But like you said, there's just so much bullshit going yeah. around with with the team that it, it's hard to get pumped because it's like there's it does it doesn't feel like there's anything to be pumped about. Yeah, and I think it's it's sad because when I you know like we like the start of last year we covered everything that the Sharks had done in the off season and and everything up to that point was was good. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like I you know and again I'm not saying that you know all these free agent acquisitions are are gonna you know put the Sharks over the hump and it's you know it's this 2016 all over again but. Like there was a lot to like about what the Sharks had done in the off season up before everything kind of just fell off a cliff. Right. It. Uh, yeah. It all. It all sort of spiraled out of control, you know. And it was, you know, we obviously, like you said, we talked about the Evander Kane stuff last show. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like kind of the, the one dark spot. But like you said, it was like, oh, you know, some good signings. You know, we got a new goalie. We bought out Jones. Like everything was good, you know. And now it's just like, oh, you know, more Kane drama. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe Hurdle doesn't want to be here. This, this, and that. You know, Rocky Thompson quitting. Mm-hmm. It's like. Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so we're definitely going to get to that stuff, like with the Sharks, like, because um, we are going to talk about the Sharks stuff. Like, obviously, we, we do. We're going to talk about Hurl, um, you know, and, and things that have to do with with the game. We're going to we're going to cover it. Right. And obviously, you know, there, there's going to be factors where, you know, Kane is, is going to come up. I just. But I just I don't want to talk about any of that because it's awful, right? It's like, but the stuff that where it impacts the team, like obviously we're going to we're going to hit on those topics. Um, but let's start with something fun first before we get into that, because tonight we're going to do some season previews for some of our division rivals. We're going to talk about some recent things that happened in the NHL that don't completely suck. Um, and I thought, you know, let's start with the um, the offer sheet for uh, Yesperi Kotkaniemi. By the Carolina Hurricanes. What was your initial thoughts when the offer sheet came out? And then we'll go into obviously Carolina uh, ending up getting the player first uh, offer sheet successful since what two thousand and seven. Yeah, I uh, you know when I saw it, I actually had somebody text me, and they said you know it, they said something to the extent of you know 
wow, what is Carolina doing? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, and I'm immediately I'm thinking like, okay, is this another Nadelkovich situation where they've just cast someone away for nothing? And I look and I see that they offer sheet, you know, they offer sheeted KK Kakanyemi, and as soon as I see it, I immediately. 2019 pops to my head when when Montreal offered Sebastian Ajo and and I even tweeted it out I said you know payback's a bitch and that that was literally the first thing came to mind there was no thought of where's he going to play in the lineup how much is the offer sheet for like none of that crossed my mind I literally my brain went to Sebastian Ajo right and I don't doubt that Carolina likes the player Mm because I mean he's a good he's a good player already and chances are he's going to eventually be a great player but at the same time you look at the structure of the deal you look at the hurricanes changing their twitter account to be french language you look at um tom dundon's press release being word for word exactly the same as mark bergevin's from two years ago (laughs) it seems like a game more than anything yeah and go ahead I was just going to say, it didn't seem like it didn't feel like a, you know, a situation where it's like, we want this player so bad that we're going to offer sheet him. Like, it almost felt like a game. It did. And I know, like, a lot of people got their feathers ruffled about it. And, like, from, I don't have an issue with anything like the Hurricanes did media wise, right? Like, oh, me neither. I, I think it's, it's hilarious. Now, from a team management perspective, though, I mean, it's it's definitely a head scratcher. When you look at the quality of players they let walk away in the off season, and you have a guy who is going to make six million. Now, I like I like the player. I, I like Yesberry Cottonyemi, but is he a six point whatever million dollar player? No. Is he going right to be now. one in a year? Probably not, and that's his qualifying offer, right? So, I mean, you have to... Not that every player signs their QO. I mean, I think one player has signed their, their QO in the last five years, and it's Patrick Laine. Right. At least one player of stature. Right. Um, but, like, I, I just... I look at what they did, and the way they let, you know, the way they let some really good players walk away, you know? Like, you're telling me you couldn't... I mean, I, I understand that Dougie Hamilton made more than the six, but you telling me you couldn't throw that six and then some over that way, or, you know, you don't keep your, your goalie that was, you know, ace in the playoffs. And now he's gone. Like, there's just things that they've done this summer where I has, have you, I has any team turned heel this badly, like (laughs) over the span of, of one calendar year. You know what? I, (laughs) You're right. Like you look at that. I mean, you just look at the, the the um specifically the trade for Nedeljkovic, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yeah, okay, you get a third round pick, but you get Jonathan Bernier too. Who, I mean, he's not what he was back when he was on the LA Kings, but he had a good year this year on a very awful team. And so he you're did. thinking, okay, maybe you get him. I just and... wonder how much treads left on those tires. Right, and I was thinking the same thing, but. You know, ultimately, my, I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe he's a 1B for you and it works out. He had a good year. And then they don't even sign him. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you basically get a, a third round pick for Nadelkovich, who by no means is Nadelkovich a for sure number one starter goalie, but he certainly looked to be on that path. So I don't know why you would, why you would give up on him so soon. And, and, you know, <laughs> I think, it, you know, it's pretty telling when you, 
go back and look at Steve Eiserman's media availability after acquiring Nadelkovich, and he basically said, well, you'd have to ask them why they were comfortable doing that. And Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. Right, and so it's just... It's just very peculiar, you know, and, and like they I'm looking at their roster right now and it's just like they they have eight. I mean, if you OK, eight NHL defensemen under contract, Jake Gardner is going on long term injury. So mm-hmm. seven, but they have seven guys with with the exception of Jacob Slavin, obviously, you know, so six. They have six guys who are all kind of the same player. You know what I mean? Well, I, I mean Brett Pesci's pretty good. Yeah, Pesci. Okay, sure. Pesci's good as well, but like Brady Shea, yeah. You know, Tony D'Angelo, gross. Um, Brendan Smith, Ian Cole. Like, I don't know that these are guys you need to sign. I, I do. I quite like getting Ethan Bear for for Fogel. Mm-hmm. I did really like that. Yeah, it's a good move. Um, but I'm just like looking. I'm like the defense is. It's a lot, but it's not a lot of anything really interesting i i i mean there's a lot of weird things that they've done a lot of weird things and like for a team that was like like i said like this team was kind of like a a, you know kind of like a darling in the league and now like i mean obviously the d'angelo thing obviously is going to turn a lot of people against them alone but with the way like this is this is why i can only do one team guys because if i i can't have more than one team doing things like could you imagine, like, I, I, I understand, like, some people, like, Carolina was kind of, like, their their second team because, you know, they're kind of got some nice things going on there. And then, like, and I get that. I'm not I'm not here to, like, poo-poo on people who want to cheer for more than one team. That's all. That's up to you. And that's, like, a personal thing. And, again, I'm not trying to dissuade that. I'm just, I'm just glad I only cheer for one team because I could not deal with another team making me as angry as this team would have made me this summer on top of everything going on in San Jose. Like, I don't know if I could. I, I'd have a mental breakdown, I think. Right, and I, you know, I look at the way, like, not so much their defense or their goaltending. I think I've been very critical of that, but I really like how their forwards are built. Mm-hmm. I think they have a very good group of forwards, and so I can appreciate that. But, you know, as you say, you know, Carolina has been the darling of many people. I've never really liked them. Um, just like you said, like I said, I think their their blue line and their goaltending has been poorly constructed for a long time. I think in the case of the blue line, it still is. And, you know, you have an owner who's in the you have to spend money to make money business, but Mm -hmm. doesn't like spending money. Yeah. You know, like the way like, oh, well, you know, we can't give Nadelkovich three million dollars, but here's six million for KK. You know, here's here's three million for Ian Cole. Here's one million for Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. Like. It's just, it's, you know, obviously they're not in the Pacific Division, but I, I, it's very perplexing to me, and I don't feel like enough people talk about it. Yeah, so um, obviously Montreal gets the first, and they get a first-round pick in 2022 and a 2024, uh, what did they get? They got a 20, it was a first um, and a third, didn't they? A first and a third for the compensation. Right. Yeah, 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 first and a third for the compensation, and then they... Um, and what did they do? They traded for Dvorak for a first and a second. That's where I got the first and a second, right? Yep. So it's yep. the 2022 20, first and the 2024 second round pick uh, goes to the um, Arizona Coyotes for uh, Christian Dvorak. Um, so go ahead. 
I like Christian Dvorak. I think he's Me a too. good player. You know, he he can score, he can kill penalties, he can win faceoffs, which is huge as we know. But that is a <laughs> it's a bit rich uh, to give up for that player, if you ask me. Um, we'll obviously get to it, but mm-hmm. if a if a first and a second is what Christian Dvorak costs, I mean, what is what is hurdle cost? You know, right? I mean, now now it should be stated though that Dvorak does have four years of term left on his deal. He does, and the... it's not a terrible deal. Like four point, I think it's what no, four not five? at all. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, it's, let's see, it's four years left at, yeah, just under four and a half million dollars, which is good. I mean, Christian Dvorak is the second line center yeah. in this league. So it's, you're getting a good player. There's no question there. I just think what Montreal gave up for him is a bit rich at this point in time. And, you know, you make a good point. You know, he does have the term, which Hurdle does not. I would argue that Hurdle is, you know, I mean, he's, He's a better player, so apparently, like, I, and and rumor has it they did call on Hurdle before they made the Dvorak deal, right? And I mean, you know, ba- based on everything that's happened so far, you know, who hasn't, right? I wouldn't be surprised right. if everybody has, right? Um, yeah. So the the picks um, that Carolina get, they get the better of the two picks, they either the Canadians' first round pick or the. Hurricanes first round pick, which they obviously now have, uh, unless it's top 10, then they would get uh, the one that's not in the top 10. I don't know if happens they're both in the top 10. I guess they still get the the worst of yeah, the top 10s. It, w- it would still, so like if Montreal's pick was fourth and Carolina was ninth, they yeah, would, they give, would give up the ninth, which, which. is really <laughs> steep for Christian Dvorak, as you said. Yeah, I mean, a good player, but that's very rich. Yeah. Yeah, I think Dvorak's a guy that um, it'll be interesting because I think he's I think he's a good player. I think he's a better player than people think he is because he mm-hmm. plays in Arizona. I don't think a lot of people realize how good he is um, because that Arizona team's obviously a, a dumpster fire and is you know uh, obviously trying to get to the bottom as quickly as they can. Right, and and you look at their roster too. If he you know, if he gets to play with somebody like, you know, maybe he gets to play with a Mike Hoffman or Brendan Gallagher or even Jonathan Drouin, I think that will help Dvorak as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, he, he, he kind of saw it in Arizona, you know, like when he, especially like if he played with Phil Kessel, you know, it was a guy, specifically Kessel, who's comfortable um, when he has the puck, comfortable carrying it and moving the puck around. And I think... I think maybe Dvorak needs that kind of that kind of player with him. So maybe you put him, like I said, with somebody like Brendan Gallagher, who's physical and can open up the lanes for them. And, you know, somebody like, like I said, a Mike Hoffman who can skate with the puck and rip it, you know? So I, I, I could see him grow. You know, he's, he's a consistent 35 point player right now. I could see him be a 50, 60 point guy. I don't think that's totally out of this world. Um, Somebody on Twitter said that they see him hitting 90 points in Montreal. I <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we'll other than see, Nick Suzuki, but... what do they have for center depth? Well, that's the thing. It's Nick Suzuki, and then it's, it's Christian uh, Dvorak. Dvorak. And then if they, I mean, they could put Drouin back at center, but, I mean, I think everybody knows that that's not an option. Yeah. Um, the NHL is going to go back to the Olympics, uh, barring COVID disaster. Right. Um, how do you feel about that? 
I think it's exciting. You know, in 2018, I was I was very much like I don't really care whether or not they go to the Olympics, but now I'm excited just because when you you think about the possibilities. I mean, imagine specifically like Team Canada. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if if you know McDavid and McKinnon end up a line, on a line together, I mean, you know, you they could put you or I on that line and it would thrive. Like Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just think that would be really exciting to watch. And I think, too, maybe I just am the only one who feels this way, but I feel like since 2016, you know, when Team USA iced that disaster of a team at the World Cup, I feel like I've, you know, really wanted to see like a almost kind of like a redemption arc a little bit, you know? And, you know, now with the Olympics and with NHL, it was going, I mean, you can hopefully kind of see what a real like beefed up team USA can do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, To get like somebody like, okay, this time around, you know, compared to the world cup of hockey, you know, you can have Johnny Goudreau on the team. You can have Austin Matthews on the team, but also guys who Jack Eichel. Yeah. Jack Eichel as well. But then you still have some veteran guys who are still really good as well. I mean, Kane, Joe Pavelski, Blake Wheeler, you know, Max Pacioretty. Like, these are, like, Team USA could be really good. And now you have, you know, you've got Connor Hellebuck as your goalie. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think it's smart to book a USA-Canada gold medal game. But I whether it's the gold medal or whether it's, you know, the uh, exhibition round, I mean, it's... I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. And it's it's exciting for this time around. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, I like the Olympics. I think the Olympics should always be best on best, right? I know, like, there's some people that are still out there and be like, oh, it should be for the amateurs. Who Who's playing men's professional hockey that's an amateur other than, like, U.S. college players? Because there's no amateurs in Europe anymore. Right. Right? Like, where where are all these amateurs? <laughs> right? Like, it's it's going to be, if they're going to be KHL guys and, and guys from the, from the men's leagues over in, in Europe. Like, so I don't see why we can't send NHLers. Like, I, I've always hated that argument. Oh, it's the Olympics are for amateurs. Who's an amateur anymore? I mean, maybe in some of these sports where, like, obviously you can't do it for a living. But, like, there's, I mean, that seems, that list seems to be getting smaller and smaller every year of sports that you don't do as a living well not only that but i feel like in every other olympic sport like the 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 people you know surrounding the sport whether they they cover the sport or they're involved in some capacity they always say oh this person is here because they're the best this person won because they're the best and I don't understand why hockey needs to be, to be the exception. You know what I mean? If if you're going for the faceoff and and you know Connor McDavid is lining up against you know Joe Italy, I I don't know how that's really anybody. I don't know how that's Team Canada's fault. Like, yeah, you know, no, for sure. Um, I don't know if you uh, I don't know if you saw this, um, but Eugene Melnick was uh, on an aircraft carrier. And he had a big mission accomplished banner behind him. Did he really? No, he didn't. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like something he would do. That sounds like, no, that's something George Bush did like a long time ago. But, right, right. Um, <laughs> but, 
But uh, basically, Ottawa is saying that the rebuild's over, and they've extended Pierre, uh, Pierre Dorian, their GM, until 24-25, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Pierre Dorian getting extended doesn't bother me. I think given the situation that he's been saddled with in Ottawa, I think he's done really well, all things considered. I agree. I think, you know, coming out of that 2017 um, playoff run and then obviously the following season with the Matt Duchesne drama, there was a lot of pressure to change things around. And I, you know, all the big name players he traded away, obviously you hate to lose that player, Mm -hmm. a player of that caliber. But I think he, with the, I mean, the Mark Stone one is kind of different, but for the most part, I think he hit a home run on all of his trades. Yeah. Like, yeah, Mark Stone, I think, would be the one where you kind of go, eh. But, I mean, you can't argue with his side of the Eric Carlson deal at this point. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, I I have a knife right here on my desk. Do you mind if I, do you mind if I put it in your back and then twist it a little bit? <laughs> because, dude, I, I... So, a combination of certain uh, fantasy hockey implications, but also a general interest as well. Mm-hmm. I watched I watched quite a few Ottawa Senators games last season and <sighs> Josh Norris was a star for them. I know. And he was so good. I didn't think he was going to be that good. I'm like I you look and and uh you know you see okay um 30 was it 35 points in 56 games. Not bad as a rookie. Um you know fourth place in Calder votes. But he, you know, he was also out there, you know, he killed, um, you know, he killed quite a few penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, he wasn't like some penalty killing dynamo by any stretch, but, you know, he was out there, you know, he, um, he was used in all situations and, and, you know, he was spent most of the year with, um, with Brady Kachuk mm-hmm. and I, I think it really worked out well for him and, now all of a sudden he looks like, you know, forget third center or second center. He looks like their number one center. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think this is the hardest part of a rebuild, right? Is like, is knowing when to come out of it. And like with, with the players in the draft, like this coming year, coming next year, like it's really easy to just be like, nah, we can, we can, you know, we can bottom this out for a couple more years. And it's, so I think, you know, I give, I give them a lot of credit because I think it's really, it's, it's easy to go into a rebuild but it's really hard to know when to come out of it. Oh, for sure. And man, it's, I mean, the one thing I would say is a bit suspect still is their goaltending. I don't know what's going on with Matt Murray. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, I think he can still turn it around. I mean, it's, you, you have Thomas Shabbat there. Um, you have, you know, Eric Brandstrom, who's got another year of developing, you know, we'll see if he can be, the next Eric Carlson, like a lot of people thought he would be. Yep. Um, I mean, I look at, I really like Artem Zub, who they got from the KHL last year. I think he's a very, for, I, and I hate to generalize, but for being a defenseman from Russia, I think he's very good at defense. Yeah. And so they, they've certainly got the pieces in the right places. I, is the rebuild over? Hard to say, but I think. Just like last year, I think this year, I think they're really going to make it hard for for a lot of teams. You know, I mean, you could make the argument that that division, you know, Boston, Tampa, Toronto, and Florida, like they're just going to run it up. But, you know, your Montreal and your Detroit and your Buffalo, like Ottawa, Ottawa could easily handle all three of those teams I mentioned, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I think they might surprise uh, some people. I don't know if they're going to like, I think their goal is probably going to be the playoffs as it should be uh, mm-hmm. at this point. Cause again, at, at some point you have to, you know, you have to kind of go for it. And I think um, they are in a tough division though. Um, they're, that division is going to be no joke this year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, I think they've, I think they've done a good job of acquiring pieces and I think, you know, not making the playoffs this year won't be the end of the world, but I think they've got enough pieces now that they, you know, they should be, they should be a threat in that bubble, that bubble area, Mm -hmm. I think. Like, again, are they better than Florida? Probably not. Are they better than Tampa? Most certainly not. (laughs) Are they better than Toronto? I don't even know what to make of Toronto this year. Like, you know what I mean? So well, like there's some ifs there. I don't know. I don't and I don't think Montreal even makes the playoffs after being in the cup final. I I would agree with that. I would also say, you know, as we've seen the last couple of years, it doesn't matter if Toronto is better than you. Um cuz they'll still lose. <laughs> That's fair. But I, yeah, I like I said, I I'm not ready to pencil them in as a playoff team, but they've got good pieces and 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 you know, it's you you just look. I mean, I'm I'm still I I'm still optimistic about Colin White. You mm-hmm. know, obviously we'll see. But Drake Batherson had a good had a breakout year. Josh Norris, Tim yep. Stutzla, you know, and you got Brady Kachuk there. Connor Brown, like Nick Paul. These are all guys who thrive playing in Ottawa. Yeah, and goaltending goaltending is going to be a question mark for sure. But that's aside the from one that, thing, yeah. yeah, aside from that, I mean, um, like I said, they've you know. Pierre Dorian, for a guy who's probably caught a lot of hell over his reign, is like, if you look back, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I mean, like, looking back, he's done a hell of a job in a, just an awful situation with an awful owner. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so let's talk about some of the uh, teams in our division um, as we go. And I think we're going to cover a couple of we'll cover a few teams and then we'll get to some shark stuff because i feel like we've probably depending on what's going on with the schedule i think i obviously look at summer is coming to an end the season starting up and then with the season starting up all of our regular shenanigans on teal town usa are going to start up so i don't know how many teal tinted glasses we have left um i'm thinking maybe we have one left in us so i'm gonna try and leave some teams that we can do um for our next jokes, I do believe we have at least one more left in the tank. And then after that, we'll see what happens as far as content and, and you know, where everything fits. So um, I promise you one more show. <laughs> <laughs> Anything beyond that, I don't know. I mean, again, you know, once the season starts, there's obviously going to be after darks and everything. And you will see my beautiful face plenty, my beautiful face for radio uh, plenty of times. Um, so let's, uh, let's start with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, not a whole lot going on in Anaheim, obviously. Like, I think I looked over their list of, of guys coming in. Like, they really didn't change anything. I mean, they're, they're guys exiting. David Backus retired today. Uh, happy trails to David Backus. And Ryan Miller retired. Again, another guy, happy trails. Like, two guys that I have a ton of respect for. Um, unfortunately, we're Ducks, and that makes you suck. But, you know, and, like, the only guy they brought in of any note to me and this is just because i watched a ton of barracuda games once upon a time was buddy robinson coming in who's probably going to play on the gulls um but other than that i didn't really see anaheim doing a whole lot um they have like 14 million dollars in cap space uh, and this is a team that to me you know they're they're coming along but they could probably use another big impact piece in the draft and with the players that are coming over the next couple of years 
I, I don't think Anaheim's in the same spot as LA where they can start adding pieces to go for it. No, I, I agree with you there. They, at, at bare minimum, they've got one year left of being bad. Bare mm-hmm. minimum. But I, I even think that's being a bit generous. I mean, you just look, I think what I think is really important, um, is the fact that they got Ryan Getzlaff back. I know, as a Sharks fan and Sharks fans, we're trained to hate Ryan Gletzlaff, but I, I think he's a really good player and I think he's a really good captain mm-hmm. and he's very important to that team. And, and the fact that he says, you know what? I know where I'm at in my career. So, you know, just give me whatever money you, you can. And he went from eight and a quarter million to, um, to four and a half million. Yeah. So, or I'm sorry, th- three million with the potential bonuses to bring them to four and a half. So, you know, took a haircut to stick around, be be the captain, be the face of the franchise. But even if Anaheim is bad again this year, I personally think they're going to have a lot of really fun players to watch. I mean, they've got yeah. a handful of prospects, or not even prospects, a handful of young players at forward that I quite enjoy. You know, they have Max Comtois, mm-hmm. Troy Terry, Sam Steele, Isaac Lundestrom. Like, these are all players that I enjoy watching. Um and they've got Trevor Zegras, who I think probably should be in the NHL, at least to start. Um, and then they'll kind of go from there. But you're you're right. You look at this team. You look at where they're at. I mean, come trade deadline, I don't see, you know, Ricard Raquel and, and uh, uh, Josh Manson, who are pending UFAs. I don't see a scenario where they stick around. No. And I think... Like you're talking about, you know, you need that impact player in the draft. Maybe they can they get picks or prospects for these guys that can be that impact player, or maybe they flip them from Supermore for NHL young NHL ready talent. I mean, I I agree with you. Anaheim's not there. They're yeah, not close. They're in the lottery. Like they're but, in the lottery, and they're probably gonna be a team that I think will be in the lottery, uh, really high in the lottery. For sure, absolutely. But I think. The, at least at forward, the prospects and the young players they have, I think, are quite exciting to watch. Um, so I think that's something to keep an eye out if you do enjoy watching, you know, young players play. I, I'm very curious about John Gibson because, yeah, I'm glad you, know, you got went there because that's where I was going to go next. Like, uh, like, I, I would argue top top five goalie in the league, mm-hmm. and. I I always got the impression that he was just going to stick it out and be there no matter what. But then you see, I don't know if you saw, there were, I guess Carolina was close to acquiring him at the deadline. And um, Pittsburgh as well was actually talking to Anaheim about him as well. And he's actually from Pittsburgh, whatever Mm -hmm. that means to you. Um, So, I mean, he's got six years left at... um, He's got six years left at six and a half million, which I think is a bargain. And he's for not him, old. Like John Gibson feels oh, he's like 28. he's twenty eight. He's like he feels like he's been in the league forever, but he's not old. Well, yeah, that's because he, you know, if you look, he had I think four rookie seasons or something. Right, like yeah, that. something crazy. <laughs> but I just they, you know, obviously the Ducks are far away from contending, and they, you know, but they just got him signed to this long term deal, and I wonder if they would sell him so quickly. You know, whether that's you know, I don't think Carolina is an option anymore, but I really, I, I really could see Pittsburgh step up to the plate here, and I don't know if that's something Anaheim would be interested in doing. But well, we'll Pittsburgh's going to be all in. I feel like as long as they've got Malkin and Crosby, they're all in, right? Like they're they're going to go 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 until 
the wheels fall off that team. It's just if you're Pittsburgh, I don't even really know what you give up at this point to no, get that's, a, that's it. Yeah, to get John Gibson, you know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, right? Because the problem was like, and again, like thirty's not old, but you know, but that's usually when you get like up in like you know up in the thirties, especially like when you get into the mid thirties. Like that's when goalies, especially, that's when you know the wear and tear really starts to kick in for a lot of guys. Like not every guy can be Henrik Lundqvist and play until, um, you know, until they're 40 at a high level. Um, and that's, and that's going to be the, the gamble for Anaheim, right? Is like, is John Gibson going to keep this play up when they're finally good? Or is the wear and tear of getting shelled every night going to add up? And, you know, there'll be nothing left in the tank when that happens. I like John Gibson. I think John Gibson's a hell of a goalie, but you know, again, this is a guy who gets shelled a lot of nights. And it, it it's just unfortunate too, because he's, you look, I mean, um, you know, the last three seasons he had 58, 51 and 35 starts, you know, 35 in a 56 game season. So like, He's the starting goalie, so he's obviously going to get the most amount of starts. But, you know, like to your point, it's 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 tough starting a guy that much when you know that you are bad. You yeah. Know? Yeah, because, I mean, you, you it's going to go one of two ways, right? Like maybe maybe he is a guy in the in the line of Lundquist who is just going to play at a stupid high level, you know, up into his advanced years. Or is he Thomas Vokun that gets completely shelled? when he's younger and then by the time he gets on a good team he's you know the the treads worn down to the tire you know rolled worn down to the rim yeah like that's that's i guess my question with him so i i don't know i mean anaheim to me they're they're gonna be a bottom team um i don't know if the sharks are gonna keep them company down there but uh they're <laughs> definitely gonna be down there right yeah. so i i think i don't know i mean anaheim they they're they're doing like as a rebuilding team, I still think they're doing a lot of the right things. I just think it's going to be a couple more really painful years uh, for them. I would agree with that. Um, So we'll move on to Calgary. Uh, I think Calgary is uh, going to be an interesting team this year. Um, Projected cap space, about 3 million. Um, They brought in Trevor Lewis, which I really like. And they also brought in uh, Blake Coleman, uh, and Mr. Kevin Lacey is jumping on here, so just give me a second while I move everything around. I think you guys were really uh, spot on about the Ducks, uh, and John Gibson is my biggest question mark, um, just given the fact that he's 28 years old, which is not old by any means, but given his injury history and how he tends to wear down the second half of each season, will he have what it takes by the time the ducks mean something again matter to the league again yeah um, and i i don't think you guys I, I like you guys mentioned pittsburgh and carolina i heard edmonton maybe sp- spinning the tires on that but that being interdivision i don't know if that's really in the ducks best interest so and hello everyone i'm kevin lacy um and it's good to be on and chatting with you guys it's been quite some time and uh yeah thanks for having me on are you gonna turn your camera on kevin or 
I'm not planning to. Okay, give me a second, then I will just put list box over you, and then we'll just go like that. Boom. Set. Thank you. All right. So, uh, welcome to the show, Kevin. Uh, glad that yeah. you are on. Um, I've yeah. now yeah. finished adjusting the screen, so hopefully it looks all pretty for everybody. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Calgary. Uh, Calgary Flames. Uh, all right, so the Calgary Flames, uh, three million cap space in Trevor Lewis, Blake Coleman. Uh, I, I do like both their additions. Uh, going out, uh, Louis Deming, Josh Levo, Alexander Petrovic, uh, Zach Ronaldo, Derek Ryan, and of course Mark Giordano going to the Seattle Kraken. Um, what do you guys make of Calgary this season? Because I think there's a couple teams where I, I don't know what to make of them, and, and Calgary is one of them. Because I feel like I look at this team on paper and I feel like this team should be better than it is and better than it's been the last couple of seasons. Guys, I think it comes down to, well, maybe not entirely, but Sean Monahan has not been healthy the last couple of years. And I feel like it's, what, three straight off seasons that we've heard about him having surgery? I might be mistaken about him having surgery this off season, but I know he had the two previous. Um, and Elias Lindholm's probably their number one center at this point. But, I mean, what what successful team relies on one center? Like, you usually need three. <laughs> Vegas. Minimum. What's up? Vegas. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> but but uh, you know, Backlund's getting a, a bit older. There, they really need Sean Monahan to come into his prime and be a star. And it seems like he's there's something holding him back. I don't know. And it, you could kind of say the same thing about Johnny Goodrow. I think where. This guy should be tearing up the league, even more so, I think, with Goodrow. Uh, Goodrow, I think, gets in his, or, yeah, Goodrow kind of gets in his own way by being a baby on the ice sometimes. <laughs> but um, both of these guys need to lead lead the way, in my opinion. And the names that we're hearing mostly are Dubay and Manjapani, mm-hmm. who are second-line players at best, in my opinion. Not... At best or worst, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and then Matthew Chuck. But why are those the guys who are constantly making the headlines? Why is Gaudreau not there and angry with Daryl Sutter and, you know, things like that? I, I think the, the Flames... I think the reason, Ian, you don't know what to make of the Flames is because... There's so many underperforming forwards on this team. Yeah, and it's to the point for me, like, I have to wonder, like, you've brought in, now you've brought in Daryl Sutter, who is a guy who gets a lot quickly and then wears out his welcome. Um, And I have to wonder if if this team can't put anything together under a full season of Daryl Sutter this team like does this team have to get blown up i think so i mean what 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 else is there to try at this point 
Right. Well, and I think Kevin makes a good point, too. He's talking about Goudreau and Monaghan. They need to be the faces of your franchise. And I go back I go back to that 18-19 season. You know, Goudreau has 99 points. Sean Monaghan has 82 points. And you look at what they've done the following two years. Goudreau with 58 and 49. And then um, Monaghan with 48 and 28. I think in the case of Monaghan, I think you're right, Kevin, when you say that the injuries have obviously not helped his case. But... You know, if if he is healthy, then it, it it really makes you question kind of what's going on over there. And I do agree with you. I think Johnny Gaudreau would be better suited to stop being a baby. Um, but and it's not because he's five foot four. No, right? he's he's a, a yeah he's, he's a, a baby on the ice. Yeah, and I just think, I mean, they're both good players. I'm a I'm a fan of Sean Monahan's, but at the same time, you have a situation that's clearly not working out or at least not working out the way that it should be and it doesn't hurt I don't think it hurts to look elsewhere I mean like you said you've got Elias Lindholm who can be number one center I'm a big fan of man Japane um and and Dylan Dubé as well I don't think you need to build your entire team around those three you obviously need more but I think it's a good start and I think it allows you to explore moving Monaghan and Goudreau um Specifically, considering there's a lot of teams who are really looking for centers, I'm surprised Monaghan hasn't fetched more interest elsewhere. But I, it, it's just so weird because I've expected Calgary to be good for far too long, and they've let me down every time. Um, but I don't know. I I I look at Elias Lindholm, and you know that that year I mentioned with Monaghan and Goudreau having really really good stats, you know, Lindholm was on that line with them. Mm-hmm. And he's now been either on a different line or centering his own line, and his game hasn't really dropped off, but theirs has. So if you're telling me that Goudreau and Monahan can only be superstars with Elias Lindholm, as much as I like Elias Lindholm, I think there's a problem there. Yeah, And, and I'll, I'll let it go to you, Ian, but real quick, because you guys mentioned the blow up may you know if if this isn't working out with Sutter you may need to blow it up that'd be a huge detriment for Calgary because they blew up the team to get to this team so blowing it up again for the second time in what seven eight years ooh, ooh, ooh that would just be horrifying if you're a fan of the sea of red yeah, um, I just I don't know because, like I said, if you you've already you brought in Daryl Sutter, and if that doesn't work, like I just I don't know what else you try with this team because I think they've tried everything. They've tried players, coaches. They've tried the you know they've now with Daryl Sutter, not so much the players, coach. Like I just I feel like this team has tried just about everything to get this to go, and I think sometimes you know, um, unfortunately, the you know the sum of the parts isn't good. And I, I just, I wonder, I, you know, could this team make the playoffs? They, they might, but I, I'm not holding my breath. I, I think they're, they're in that weird purgatory where they're maybe good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not going to do anything if they get there. And even if they don't make the playoffs, they'll still be at the bottom of the lottery. Like that's where I would put the flames this season. What about you guys? I would agree with that. I think 
I mean, the Pacific is not as deadly as it was a few years ago. I think we've talked about that quite a bit. For sure. But, you know, there is a chance for them to make some noise in the division. I mean, if you ask me, the only locks are Vegas and Edmonton. And yeah. from there, it's kind of jump ball. So Calgary does have an opportunity, in my opinion, to kind of get back to where they were two, three years ago. But at the same time, like you said, Ian, I just think, you know, I, there's just a lot about this team that's really just uninteresting to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, as it stands right now, they've only got one goalie signed, and that's Jacob Markstrom. So what? Are you going to play him for 65 games and hope for the best? Yeah. I that, uh, Yeah, I don't know. This team makes no sense to me. And I it's going to be interesting to see... You know, without Giordano on, on, on the blue line, too. Like, Giordano's obviously, I don't think he's the player that he once was, but he's still really good. Like, that's a that's a big hole for, I think, for that blue line not to have anything to really fill. Well, and obviously, you know, we've talked, Kevin's talked about it a lot. You know, teams are really, were really hesitant to make any side deals with Seattle. It was more just take whoever you want and leave us alone. But I'm surprised that at least, you know, Publicly, I'm surprised that Calgary didn't put up more of a fight to keep Giordano. I mean, he's their captain, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that they probably thought, eh, we signed Chris Tanev last summer. <laughs> and... No, dude, it's because Yusuf Valimaki is recovered from his injury. <laughs> That's a player who I think is going to have a major spotlight on him. I agree. This this season is Yusuf Valimaki because he's a, he's a player. He, he's the microcosm of the Calgary Flames. What's he going to be? I don't know. Yeah, I really don't. I think that that knee injury really screwed everything up for him. Well, as, as, as Sharks fans, you <laughs> right. know a number of players who have gone through that. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up for this week anyway for this show with the Edmonton Oilers projected cap space zero. Although I'm sure they can fudge around with uh, once they actually hit the ice and and, and get that to a, a different number. Uh, coming in, obviously, Duncan Keith, Zach Hyman, Cody Ceci, uh, Derek Ryan, Warren Fogle. Uh, going out the door, uh, Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones, Alex Chason, Tyler Ennis, and Dmitry Kulikov. Uh, they still have some outstanding business to do since Kaylor Yamamoto is not uh, currently under contract, and I guess he hasn't been seen around the team thus far. Um I mean, I look at this team and like this team doesn't scare me, but this team will be good in the regular season. Like this team mm-hmm. will win a ton of regular season games, especially in the Pacific. Um, you know, are are they are they a playoff team? I think you know, Jerk said it best earlier. It's Vegas, Edmonton, and then jump ball for that third spot. And then you know, uh, will the wild cards both come from the Central? Could happen for sure. I, I mean, I would definitely. Uh, not put money against that at this point. Um, but maybe a team surprises us. I mean, you know, again, Edmonton, they're, they're, they're a good team. Um, you know, they've, it's hard to bet against a team with Connor McDavid until the playoffs when you need other guys to, to kind of step up and, and carry the load, which is, seems to be their kryptonite when, you know, dry McDavid, they'll get you in the playoffs. But once, you know, once the real games start, it's hard to get by when you can just zero in on those two guys and shut down their entire offense. 
I mean, I said they were a lock, but I, I don't know. Even I think though, a lock. like, even though I, yes, I, I too think they're a lock. But like, if you hear, like, if you hear me say they're a lock, and then you look at their roster, you're, it, <laughs> it definitely raises some eyebrows. I mean, the goaltending, like, they, they essentially came out and said our goaltending did not work for us last year. And so we'll bring it back. They're coming back with the same goaltending. Now, I yeah. I personally think they're trying everything in their power to throw Miko Koskinen overboard, but it hasn't happened yet. And I look at their blue line. I think in terms of <laughs> dollars versus expectations, Edmonton is at the top of that list because – like, just look at the money they're paying these players. Duncan Keith, yep. Cody Cece, Chris Russell, Tyson Berry, who had a good year, but mm-hmm. we'll see. And then Darnell Nurse next year kicks in at nine and a quarter million, which well, is... Well, nine is the new seven. Un- yeah, but which but I, I wouldn't even say he's worth seven, to I, be honest I, with I you. Know. Like, it, it's just mind-melting, you know? <laughs> like, this, this blue line is so expensive, and I personally think will yield... Very little results. Um, and their forwards are still... I mean, I like them bringing in Zach Hyman. I like them bringing in Warren Fogle. But it's like, yeah, Zach Cassian is still here. And Kyle mm-hmm. Turris is still here. And Josh Archibald. And it's like, these guys have not worked out. Like, Not, not only that, Jerk, but you mentioned Cassian. Like, they brought in Hyman. They brought in Fogle. That's kind of the new the new school, the modern era toughness. They're not mm-hmm. true tough guys like Zach Cassian, but they have a lot of grit, a mm-hmm. uh, ton of intangibles, and especially Hyman can put the puck in the net. And we already saw what he could do with Matthews. I don't think he's going to have a problem with McDavid or Dreisaitl or Nugent Hopkins even doing the mm-hmm. same. Um, but if you bring in Hyman and Fogel, why keep Zach Cassian? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's a good show. Like it's a good it's a good point out. Like I I completely agree. Uh you know, and the goaltending, again, like you, you said, you know, you you come back with the same goaltending and I don't get it. Like obviously with the money that they're spending, they probably really can't afford to buy out Koskinen. Like that, you know, they, this yeah. team can't afford the dead cap. Um, but geez, like that's that's a tough bill to swallow. I think if you're an Edmonton fan, like trying to get excited, especially without, you know, you've got um, you've got already no projected cap space, and you still have to get Yamamoto. I don't think Yamamoto is going to break the bank, but he's a guy I definitely don't want to start the season without. Well, and 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 for that, you know, they'll. They'll obviously they'll get to put Oscar Clef on Clef on sure. long term injury, which will help. But you know you're tempting fate by mm-hmm. uh, having your top RFA unsigned and you've got no cap space. Um, the thing that's always been really peculiar to me about Edmonton, specifically the last two years, is you remember in COVID season one, like McDavid gets hurt, and so it's okay. Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto is going to be our top line, and they're going to play in all situations. And that line was very, very good. I mean, it got Leon Dreisaitl to 50 goals, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And then so you come back last year for COVID Season 2, and it's like that line didn't play together at all. Yeah, no, it's weird. 
I feel like if I'm an Ed- if I'm an Edmonton fan, I'm looking at like why was this thing that's so successful not being utilized again? Yeah, no, it's yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean the uh, this team now, makes me scratch my head a lot. Now, all right, I do want to touch on the goaltending, but then I'm going to speak positive about Edmonton because all we've done is kind of bury them. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I, we, we haven't buried them completely because we we're all said, said they're, they're a lock. lock. To make the playoffs, but all we've done is bury them. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 um, you know, the goaltending is definitely questionable. Um, I have said many times, although I look at his stats and his stats kind of say otherwise, but I have said many times that Mike Smith is a, a hot and cold goalie season by season. And yeah. usually it's, it's a hot season, a cold season, a hot season, cold season. Um, statistically, um, that doesn't really prove my point too much, but a 923 save percentage last year as what a 38 year old. Yeah, whatever. I know. <laughs> I Phenomenal. don't think he's going to be sustaining that this year and then you mentioned his backup is Miko Koskinen who the Oilers have been actively trying to get rid of and a player who I swear we had an episode where I went on about a 10 minute tirade about how that was the worst contract in the league uh, that extension um but yeah I I think if for the goaltending aspect they're just going to ride it out hope the team carries the goaltending and then Maybe they can dump Koskinen at the trade deadline to a uh, to a seller who's just trying to make the floor and said, "Hey, we'll take your goalie if you give us a draft pick or something." For sure. Um, and then maybe that opens up some space for the Oilers to get a a upgrade, a, a big upgrade there. Because I am not a believer in Koskinen, and I do like Mike Smith. I just think he's too hot and cold to to be relying on him in the playoffs. But positive things, I, I do. I think they have shored up their blue line um, quite a bit here this off season. Um, I think one of the big keys to their off season has been the fact that they could retain Tyson Berry. They were able to retain. Um, oh my God! Oh, Nugent Hopkins. Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, uh, I think that was a big yeah. win for them for sure. Yeah, I think those those two players are are a lot more essential to their roster than people give credit for because usually the spotlight's on McDavid and Dreisaitl. Pulya Yarvi had a decent year finally last year. It's not a great year, but still a, a better than he's had previously, and, and there he's kind of salvaging an NHL career at this point. Um, but Bakersfield had three players last year. Their, their AHL affiliate had three players last year who had no business being in the AHL. Tyler Benson, Ryan McLeod, and Cooper Marodi. I think at least two, if not all three, should make the Oilers this year. All, all three should, but w- will they? I don't know. But that influx of youth and, and some depth there to go behind McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nuge, and then Hyman coming in. And then on the back end, Evan Bouchard, I think, is one of the most overrated prospects in the NHL, but it seems like he's finally going to get a real opportunity to show that he's capable of being a middle uh, a middle pair defenseman um and then even some of the other guys like philip broberg who's coming over from sweden i think oilers fans are living in a pipe dream who think he can just go to the nhl right away because most of the people reporting out of sweden say he's not even close but um still the oilers i think have 
uh, an improved roster in in key areas, not including goaltending this year. So <laughs> they'll 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 um, they'll be one to watch. But they they might have the highest ceiling and the lowest floor yeah. of any team in this division this year. Yeah, I I think that like that really perfectly sums up this team, right? Like they they should be a lock. There's the talent on this team. Like again, it's not it's not like it's, it's a bunch it's it's a bunch of stiffs and Connor McDavid, right? Like there's some really good players on this team, but getting it all together, I just I wish they had a better GM. <laughs> and I don't at the same time because they're obviously in the division, right? Yeah. Like, but I, I just, I wish for McDavid's sake that they had a better general manager. Because <laughs> it just, hey, like... At least, at least McDavid will be competing for a gold medal instead of a silver cup this year, That's right? true. I'm super excited for that, let me tell you. Um, just in the chat, quick, before we move on, since we're going to move on to the Zimbabwe stuff, so anyway, just, there's some... <laughs> PJ48 say, I want to know what the what league the Flyers were watching to make them want to sign Martin Jones. Uh, and then Eric Frieda said, like, Jones is going to suddenly be amazing to, just despite us. If Martin Jones can be amazing in Philly, of all places, then I will eat my hat on air. Like, it... Yeah. Like, oh, man. Like, I... It's not only, like... Martin Jones obviously is fighting for an NHL career at this point. Um, but like Philadelphia is not where goalies go to thrive. <laughs> it's quite the opposite actually. Like, yeah. like I would say historically, like if you go to Philadelphia, like you're like, just give up. Just, just know? it's over. It's <laughs> over, man. Better, better goalies have tried. Okay. Um, go you, ahead. Really quick, we don't have to get all into this, but it's just something I thought about, and okay. I think I think Kevin may have a lot to say about this. So, uh, oh, Marcus Sorensen going back to Sweden, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, Joel Joel Farabee, you mentioned Philadelphia. Joel mm-hmm. Farabee and his 107 NHL games um, got him a a six-year, $30 million extension. Now, I don't doubt that, like, he's. you look at the stats. He's a good player. Chances are he's going to be a great player. Mm-hmm. But I look at this, 107 NHL games played. This feels way too early for me to commit that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Stuff. I know Kevin always, Kevin and I always go back and forth about that, you know, about, oh, you're paying this player for what you think he'll do, not what he's already done. I don't like it. You know, you know, I don't like it. I, I don't like but... that it, every player gets that treatment now. Like, I think there's some players that absolutely should get that treatment. But right. unfortunately, yeah. because of the way that the league is structured, then, you know, an agent can unfortunately point and say, look at this is what this guy got. This is why my player is comparable. Pay me or we'll go to arbitration. And I will win an arbitration because, like, the reason why nothing ever gets arbitration is because it usually favors the player almost every time. Right. I think, I think the interesting thing, I, I'm pretty sure it was a tweet from jerk and I, I don't have it in front of me. I think jerk was the one who put it, um, something about, uh, you know, paying for what they are going to do versus what they have done so far. Um, that is the way when I, when I read it, like, when I read the tweet, I thought that's what an unrestricted free agent is. 
those are the types of deals that UFAs sign. And I think that's mm-hmm. why I have the biggest problem now is the owners by or GMs by continuously now giving out these contracts freely is they've removed the power they've held in their hand by these players are restricted free agents. Yeah. But now the players and the agents are in complete control. And it seems to me like it defeats the purpose of restricted free agency because the GMs are just go, Oh, Oh no. Even though we have your rights and completely control you here's, here's $14 million, please don't, don't, don't leave us like as if they have control over that. Right. But I mean, on the flip side though, like, if you're, if you got like a, a a young player, like let's, I'm just gonna say for example, and maybe this isn't the right example to use, but if you have like a Kale McCarr, and you tell him to sit at home, and then you go into the season and everything goes terrible, like yeah. that's your job on the line, right? <laughs> yes, but I would also a player like Kale McCarr. You give what he wants versus. Joel Farabee. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. No, yeah. I, I get it. But I, I get I get what you're saying, though. And, yeah, I mean, in, in that respect. I mean, if they sit out and then the team flounders, and we've seen players come back. Like, I mean, I think still players are, are still in much better shape than, obviously, they were in yesteryear. But I th- we haven't really seen a holdout. But I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, a player come back from a holdout and not do as good as he should have been because he's missed camp. Like, again, these players are in better shape than William, they've ever been in. William Nylander. Yeah. Jesse Pugliarvi. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting, you know, especially like same thing, you know, the same exact thing happened with, um, with Drake Batherson as well. Same thing. Good player will probably be a great player, mm-hmm. but in Batherson's case, 99 NHL games. Yeah. You know, and, Going back to Farabee, like, <laughs> Farabee didn't even, you know, he, this deal kicks in after this year. So it's, you know, five years next year plus this year. So six total or whatever the tweet is. And he had no arbitration rights. Yeah. Like, you don't want to, you don't, I don't think for a player like that who's made an impact that's Where's soon the in leverage? Yeah. Like, where's the leverage there? Right. Like, he, he's made an, you know, specifically with Farabee, he's made an impact very soon into his NHL career. So you, you don't want to go all Doug Wilson first year RFA on them. But, <laughs> right. but at the same I was time, I'm going to bring that up. <laughs> but, but at the same time, like, what exactly are you so concerned about? Yeah, I. I, don't I mean, know. unless unless you think he's going to get thirty five this year, and then you have to pay him seven instead of five. Yeah. So that you guys found the word that I was searching for the whole time I was talking. Leverage. The owners yeah. have the lever. The GMs have the leverage as signing RFAs, like especially ones with no arbitration rights. Like yeah. those those guys should get screwed to the wall. I mean, it's it's un, it's not great for them, but I mean that's the you know that's just team management. Well, and that's the thing, you know, to spin it around and put it on the Sharks, you know, everybody this coming summer, everybody's really worried about Mario Ferraro and Nikolai Kanijov. Um Go to Cap Friendly. There's no there's no hammer next to their status. I, like, they're going to sit down and they're going to take what Doug Wilson gives them. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I have, to, I have to take this off the rails for a sec just because okay. of what you said. 
This summer, everyone's worried about what Mario Ferraro's contract status is. And Nikolai Knizhov. <laughs> Doug Wilson is on the hot seat. What will he do? Will the Sharks make the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, PJ, thanks. PJ for here for my for my hat fun when Martin Jones was here. Here's what I'll do because actually I saw something in the in the chat that's even better. I, I will do this on air. If Martin Jones plays twenty plus games and has a save percentage over nine fifteen league average, I will shave my head on air. Wow, wow. twenty oh, plus no, games, nine fifteen save percentage. That's the that it has to be twenty plus games. Twenty man. plus games with a nine fifteen. I will shave my head on air. Book it. Well, you know, I don't know where the Sharks are at with replacing the the pillar decals outside, but Martin Jones is still teeling together on the uh, side of the arena. Will will Martin Jones ever actually leave the Sharks to go put up a 915 for Philadelphia? I have no idea. Um, okay, let's talk some sharks because uh, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, the San Jose Sharks uh, had some coaching changes. Um, Say what? Well, Rocky Thompson is not returning to the bench. Uh, cites unmedical specified reason for being unable to get vaccinated. Now, I don't know if he is allergic to something in the vaccine or has a bad case of the freedoms. And I really don't care. <laughs> I, and I don't care either way, right? I, but I was disappointed by this. I'm not going to lie. Like, Rocky Thompson is a guy who was, and I tweeted this out when it first happened, he's he's a guy who is a rising star in the coaching ranks. Now, I don't know how this is going to derail that um, coming into the season. I understand some people, like, looked at how the Sharks played last season. Well, how is this guy a rising star? Like, the Sharks were terrible. Yes, I I, I, I get that. But I still think that given everything that the sharks are going through went through and will go through um i don't think that derailed him too badly and actually i was kind of surprised that he didn't interview for more um vacancies this summer when there was a ton of coaching vacancies because this always to me wasn't he wasn't the guy that was going to be here to replace bob Wugner. he was going to be a guy who was going to come get some reps in at the nhl level and then interview for another job and be like yeah i've look at i've done this at the nhl level now regardless of you know how you felt about how the sharks played um so, I mean, I was disappointed by this because I thought I, I I was looking forward to seeing what would happen, you know, under a more regular season with, you know, a, a whole season under, you know, and I think this is going to be a big season for, for Bob Bugner, obviously, too. But I was I was looking forward to seeing what the Sharks would look like if anything would change with like a full season of this coaching staff. So to have this kind of happen right before the season with everything else going on um i I was pretty bummed out about this i'm not gonna lie yeah i i definitely remember how happy you and i especially were uh about this this pickup of rocky thompson last summer it seemed like it was a coup like oh finally some Mm -hmm. joy some respectability that we're going to have with the coaching staff and 
Not that I, again, I I don't dislike Bugner. I just you know I just I don't think he's really the guy for the excited. job. Yeah, exactly. But I really liked Rocky Thompson. I thought he'd be a a, a beacon of hope. Like I, I've seen um, through television documentaries and stuff what he what he can do in the locker room or you know what they show us anyway and it seemed like he had a very positive outlook really relatable to the players and not necessarily a player's coach but just knows how to relate to the players and and connect with them um and and that whole thought about the the not so great hockey players turn out to be great coaches kind of thing like he had that going for him as well um so it is it is very disappointing to me and the only thing and we're not going to find out i can imagine we're not going to find out but i wonder how long in the process this has been has the have the sharks been aware of this for a while were they were they waiting until the last possible moment that you know well it happened pretty quick after they announced the protocols for this season i I think the sharks are waiting waiting for the yeah Right, right. So, I mean, dang. That's all I can really say is dang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Jerk, anything you want to add to that? No, I, I, I think Kevin summed it up really well. You know, it's unfortunate just based on, like you said, the potential of what he could bring to both the Sharks dressing room and any other dressing room if he got hired by a head coach. And, you know, hopefully, you know... uh uh, if, you know, assuming everything gets back to some form of normalcy here in the next uh, year, ugh, um, never, you know, <laughs> maybe he can get behind another bench. And I'm curious, you know, if the door is still open for him to return down the line. But at the same time, is Bob Bugner going to be around by that time, too? He might not be. He is is he in his last year? I believe so. Um, it was a. Let's see. I, know it was I a believe he has more than. It, I think it was more than two years left, but I think this is his last year. Yeah, because I believe it was a three. It was. Mm, no, because he was an interim coach. I believe. I'm trying to do like math in my. I believe yeah. next next year. So 22, 23, I think is his last year. Because I think it was he came in as the interim, mm-hmm. and then when it was a, when he officially became head coach, I believe he received a three year deal. So this coming year would be year two. Yeah, because he was on deal. he was on DeBoer's staff, right? And then well, yeah. Hey, mm. when if Rocky Thompson, for whatever reason, can't return to coaching anytime soon, or maybe just doesn't return to coaching altogether, we can at least look down the line at the future celebrity boxing match between Rocky Thompson and Evander Kane when both are out of the NHL. <laughs> oh my god. And I will take Rocky Thompson in two rounds. Oh nice. wow. There you have See, it. Who says all the Evander Kane needs bad? Um, yeah, so he was replaced by John McLean. Uh John McLean has been he's done uh most of the work he's done in the NHL has been as an assistant coach. He was uh, an assistant coach uh, in New Jersey from, I think, like 2002 to 2010, uh, where he was promoted to head coach and then fired very quickly after that. Um, his uh, He did get a cup 
uh, cup ring as an assistant coach uh, in 2003 with the Devils. Uh, he also won the cup as a player. Um, he also had stops in Carolina and New Jersey along the way. New, uh, sorry, Carolina and Arizona as well as New Jersey. Um, I think for the spot that the Sharks were in, I, I, I feel like this is a decent hire for them given the lack of time. Um, given the lack of time available to to really get a guy, you know, at this point in the season, you know, most guys are already scooped up. There, there's not very many guys looking, especially for an assistant coaching job uh, at this point, right? Um, I think anyone who's not working right now is probably looking to be a head coach for some of the bigger names that are out there. Um, so I think all things considered, um, I, I feel like the, the Sharks got lemons and they made lemonade. Like, am I super excited about this this coaching staff? No, but I I think that they got a decent guy given the situation. I think for me, guys, the big concern is now I have not verified any stats, so it's all hearsay. Okay, but I heard that John McClain really. Did a poor job with the Coyotes' power play the last couple of years. Well, good thing that's what he's bringing. He's bringing Brad into San Jose exactly. to fix. Exactly. So he's coming in to work with the forwards and work with the power play. And I had heard he did a pretty poor job with their power play the last couple of years. Oh. And I mean, the number of years that Jerk said that Coyotes would make the playoffs and they didn't, um, you could point the finger at. A lot of different directions but to me offense it was a big part of it or the lack of offense was a big part of it and with John McClain coming in I doesn't give me a whole lot of faith now the fact is he's been a he's been a coach for what ever 14 15 years I mean dating back to 2002 yeah so he's you know he, he he's been around he knows what he's doing so you can only rely on hearsay so much and i think coaching it's more about the chemistry with the players than it is about the ability to coach i mean everyone at this level has the ability to coach it's whether or not you can connect with your players or not which is again going back to the rocky thompson thing i thought that would have worked out really well yeah um Jerk, do you want any? I, I have one more thing to add, but Jerk, do you want to talk on McLean? I'll just say really quick because you mentioned the Coyotes. Um, I've watched, admittedly, probably too many Coyotes games over the last <laughs> four years. And on McLean, huh. <laughs> and and when you say that their power play was bad, you're like so right. Like their power play was legitimately uninspiring, and you just look at like the talent that they had. I mean, they're not like, they don't have any elite level talent except for maybe Clayton Keller, which is a bit of a stretch, but they still had good players. And the fact that their power play was so bad, despite having those good players, it is definitely concerning bringing him into San Jose, but you know, every team is different. Every player is different. So who knows? Maybe it works out. But if we're basing this solely on recent history, it is a bit questionable. And also, um, you know, AJ mentioned it in the chat as well, but I did notice evidently cap friendly now checks or now 
uh, cal- uh, Jesus tracks um, team staff contracts. So mm-hmm. nice. Bo- Boogner's in year two. Uh, year this coming season is year two of three for his contract. So that is uh, E five TTG five confirmed. All right, <laughs> there you go. Um, one more thing, because I, I I was doing a lot of coach research over the last week or so, mm-hmm. um, just coincidentally um, before this happened. And the thing I came across with John McClain was the Coyotes had announced they were not bringing John McClain back last offseason and then brought him back. So yeah, they didn't even have faith in him the year before they actually officially let him go. Um, my question, and I, I posed this to Curtis Bashelka on Twitter was, I remember when John McLean was a, was a player for the Sharks back in 97, 98, and he, and he left the team. It seemed like he was pretty unhappy. And that was a team that made the playoffs. Now, maybe it was the Daryl Sutter factor. Gee, for where sure. have we heard that earlier in this podcast? <laughs> right. But I, I, you know, again, it's all hearsay. You can only go off, you know, you you can only take it with a grain of salt. But John McClain coming back twenty uh, something years later after allegedly not really liking being here. Eh, okay, I mean a lot. Could, a lot changed in that time too. Yeah, Heck, um, our jerseys changed what four times? Four times, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know, I, I like, and I, I don't discount anything you're saying, but I still think, like, given the amount of time the Sharks had to get this done, I, I the oh, hire yeah. doesn't really no, surprise they could have me. Done way worse. Yeah. Like, I, is I this going to turn like, things around? I don't know. I don't think so. But I think uh, with the situation the Sharks were in, that I wouldn't envy anybody. Like, they had to get a guy. They got a guy with a ton of experience. Whether that's going to be good or bad, I mean, we'll see. I half expected them to just do the route they've done time and time again. Who are you already paying? Richie, Richie you're <laughs> up. You're already under contract. You're up. <laughs> the who are we already paying method. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, and I wasn't, I wouldn't have been shocked to see that either, unfortunately. You know, the who are we already paying thing. Um, just in the chat quick, Uncle Danfy says, uh, Bugner has a lot of good qualities, but as coach for the San Jose Sharks, he's been far below average with a familiar team. Sharks need a coach to really get them to play as a team. I mean, I don't know if giving everything we know now, do, do you put that all on Bugner? I, I mean, there's part of it, right? I just, I don't think that Bugner was the right guy for this team, period. Just based on construction. Um, I just, I think Bugner... To me, Bugner is an assistant coach. He's not head coach. I think he's always done really well as an assistant. He's never done fantastic in the big chair. And some guys are just better assistant coaches. And I think Bugner falls in that category. Um, I think that given what we know now about the Sharks last year, I don't know who would have handled that with flying colors. I, I don't know. Like I, I I look at some of the guys that were available and I don't know if any of them would be able to fix that problem. Like, do you go with a complete hard ass like John Tortorella? Is John Tortorella gonna solve that problem? Maybe, but he's also going to 
you know, everyone, like I, I've said this a hundred times and I'll say it again, even though, cause it's going to segue nice into what we're going to talk about next. Like everyone wants John Tortorella until he runs a guy like Hurdle out of town. Right. Yep. Like he, everyone wants Tortorella until he runs your favorite player out of town. Cause he decides that he doesn't work hard enough for, you know, he's not getting enough out of them or they don't play with enough gratensity or whatever. Right. Like, <laughs> So I, I, I don't know, you know, like, you know, he's just responding like you need someone strict. I think you have to remember, though, that the players, yeah, the, the problem is with a coach that's like super, super hard ass is the players have more power than the coach at this point. You can fire a coach if you, as you, we've seen with the team, if you bog a bunch of teams down with a bunch of big contracts, you can't easily move though like it's not easy it's not as easy to move a guy as it is to get rid of a coach right so i mean it kind of like i said it kind of segues into uh what i want to talk about next um which is obviously you know hurdle um a lot of fuzziness about what the future is in san jose for tomas hurdle and i feel like this is the frustrating thing, right? For me is I think going into this season, knowing that the possibility that hurdle might no longer be here, it, it sucks, right? It bums me out, but I understand the business of it. But now given the summer we have and like the fact that, you know, hurdles come out and said that like, you know, things should have been handled differently with certain players, i.e. Evander Kane, like the idea that he could go now, like I can understand why everyone's upset because like, whereas, you know, if the summer wasn't the summer, we look and we go, I love hurdle, but it's a business decision. I get it. I understand where this team's at and I understand what this team needs to do. Now it just losing hurdle would just be much more awful because it's no longer a business thing. Like, and and I think that, I want to be very, very careful here because I think that when these reports came out, there was a lot of people that just jumped to the conclusion like, well, Turtle wants out and he wants out right fucking now, which I don't think was ever the case. And I don't think that's the case right now. But if certain factors that have happened this summer help push Kane, uh, push Hurdle, sorry, out the door, that pisses me off even more. And I can understand why people are upset. What do you guys make of the Thomas, Tomas Hurdle situation? it's it's awful you know i mean um because like hurdles i mean he's been the best player the last uh the last three seasons um and he's a guy that you want to keep around uh especially if the goal is to make the playoffs challenge for a cup or whatever um but like it's just awful, you know, because mm-hmm. like the I don't doubt that the if the Sharks did trade Hurdle, they would get a huge return for him. Yep. But it's like if you're trading Hurdle, you're basically committing yourself to being bad. And Kevin and I have talked about it all the time. Regardless of what you think about the Sharks and the way they're built and what they're capable of, they're built to try and make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And 
you don't try to make the playoffs by trading away your best player, at least not any teams that I've watched. So <laughs> it's a it's a it's an awful situation, and it would be really shitty if Hurdle got traded or just left because of all the nonsense with Evander Kane. And I know we talked about Kane at the beginning, and we're not really going to do that anymore. But I think at this point. You just have to say, look, we'll pay you the money we owe you, but just go away and never come back. And especially if you want to keep Hurdle, I think that has to be the play. And I and I know people, people every time we talk about Hurdle, people bring up the injury, his injury history. He hasn't had a he has his knee hasn't been a problem in a year and a half, almost two years. So mm-hmm. I don't understand the reason for bringing it up. He's still been an effective player. He had an awful case of COVID. And yeah. was point per game the second half of the season. You know, I know people who had COVID. That shit tears your lungs up. And the fact that he came back and was that good, I'm, I have zero worry for his injuries. So I, like you said, Ian, before all the Kane drama came out, it was a business decision. And I even, you know, I even came out and said, look, if the Sharks want to commit to rebuilding and changing it up, that's the you logical play. Yeah, that's, that's the, logical the logical play, play. right? But if you are committed to trying to be good, as Kevin and I have talked about, you keep Hurdle. And Hurdle's going to say, I want the Logan Couture deal, and you're going to have to say yes because he's worth it. Yeah. Right. The the Sharks are in a situation where if they if they are close to making the playoffs, and I by close, I mean close. I don't mean like they're in 11th place, but they're only three points out. I mean, they got to they gotta be right in there, like – seventh eighth ninth by a point or two you know like they gotta keep hurdle because he's he is the face of the franchise right now in my opinion money aside i think he's the the, he's the face that the sharks fans he's the most likable person on this team on a very (laughs) like i said at the top of the show of he's the most likable person on a team that is incredibly unlikable right now like an incredibly right. difficult team to get behind. You know, Hurdle like, is one of the few bright spots. You know, I, I he's not alone. Like there's guys like Mario, obviously, who are, you know, like there's there's other things that are are nice, but, but there's a lot of shit to dislike about this team right now. Right. Right. Heck, I go by the arena to and from work four times a week. And I just talked about Martin Jones is still on the side of the arena, but the the column right next to him is the happiest picture of Tomas Hurdle you possibly can. And it's like, how can you not love that guy? I'm like, even even if it's the goofiest pose possible, I'm like, I can't not like that guy. Anyone who goes by there can't not like that guy. And so I think if the Sharks, unfortunately, if the Sharks are out of contention, you know, before the before the trade deadline, he has to go because they're going to get major assets for him. Even as a pending free agent, they'll they'll get a king's ransom. But yeah, they need the sharks. If they're contending, they have to find a way to make it work. Even like what Jerk said, pay the guy. You have to have someone to build around. And it's kind of like we talked about John Gibson with the Ducks. Like, where are mm-hmm. they going? If the Ducks are going nowhere, like we see, like it seems like 
it might be time to just move on and and let him go contend somewhere. If the Sharks are nowhere near the playoffs, same thing for Hurdle. He's the same age. Yeah. So, but, oh man, I mean that that would be a bitter pill to swallow for sure. Yeah, and I'm like in the chat, like a lot of people are saying, like you know, you got to keep him, you got to put the C on him. I I just here here's the thing, like, and I'm not look at. I have been on record saying that, you know, my pick for captain would never have been Logan Couture. But I don't think the C's going anywhere. And a lot of people are saying, well, you got to leave the because Hurdle's going to be, you know, I think he's the face of the franchise already. But a lot of people say, well, he'll be the face of the franchise in the next phase. I don't agree with that. Because at that point, like, if all things go well, like maybe, maybe that's, maybe it's not Hurdle anymore. Maybe it's William Eklund. Maybe it's, you know, Thomas Bortolo. Maybe, maybe it's Tristan Robbins. Like we don't like, I, I, a lot of time is going to happen before I think that C is going to wander to a different player. Well, especially with like, you know, Logan Couture is on record in the past of being, I don't want to say butthurt, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, unhappy with the decision to not include him in the leadership group. And, you know, when um, uh, the year they took the C off of Thornton and they did the rotating alternates, you know, Couture insinuated that he wanted to be a rotating alternate, Mm -hmm. you know, and when the decision was made to give the C to Pavelski, you know, I'm not saying this is true, but there were a couple of people that said, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I think Couture may have been a little sour about not getting the C himself. And so at the very least, there's a, there's a history of him possibly not liking certain leadership decisions. Well, I, so the reason I, think... I don't like him with the C, cause I think he's a moody bitch. <laughs> like and I've I've said this a hundred times. Like this isn't new, right? Like I've always right. said, Logan Couture is a moody bitch. And I, my point in bringing all that up is, if you did take the C off of him, I mean, I oh, I think he would. I well, think the thing is, traded. I don't think he's getting stripped. Right, but what I'm saying, like, if you did take the C off of him, I like I think he would eventually get over it and just play. But I also think that he would be upset about it. I I don't yeah I don't like there's some like we've seen and we've seen a lot of really stupid captains changes on this team like Patrick Marlowe had the C taken off of him and it was like the best thing they could have done for him because he was a completely different player without the C Thornton stayed Thornton he's he didn't care I mean he cared I'm sure he cared but he you know like he's Joe Thornton it's just his personality right um Obviously, Joe Pavelski left the team, so that's why the the C went up. Like, but like, I I feel like you're not if you stripped Logan Couture and you left him on the team. Like, I just I don't think that's going to help anything on this team, considering everything that has happened that we know has happened now. Like, how like I just I don't see that improving anything because. As much as this, all this Evander Kane stuff super sucks, and how much of that can you put on on Logan? Like, how is that Logan's fault? Well, and that's the point I always bring up is, you know, you, especially with this past season, you get a lot of people say, oh, Logan cracked under the pressure of wearing the C, and, you know, he's hit the age wall, he can't do anything anymore, look at the stats, and it's like, 
have we all forgotten that he spent the second half of the year injured? Oh yeah, he was he was a shell of himself. The, the not only that, season, yeah. but the first. But let's also not forget the first half of the season. He led the the Honda, you know, CRV Western Division, whatever. <laughs> he led that. He led the division in goals. Yep. At a at for a, an extended period of time. So like, that's the thing that always kills me. Is like it seems like it seems like when a player is injured and they're not themselves. Like, there's no concern paid to the injury. It's just like, oh, this player sucks because they're not doing what they did. But then, like, for example, like I made earlier, a player like Hurdle who's had injuries in the past, but they don't define him right. anymore. It seems like people can't seem to let that go. Like, yeah, and I think like, that's and, fair. And, and, like, the, uh, go ahead. Just, Sorry. It, it, the same, the, you know, the same thing, and I, you know, I hate to get off on a tangent, but it made me think of this. Like, the same thing with Eric Carlson. Like, you know, somebody took a slap shot and the puck hit Eric Carlson in the thumb and it broke. How was that his fault? Well, I mean, if he just would have drank another cup of milk, I'm sure it would have been fine. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just there's this weird feeling with injuries where it's like there's an injury and people are like, oh, well, he sucks. And then there's a past injury that's not a concern anymore, but everybody loves to talk about it. It's just so weird to me. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. No, I mean... I agree. Like, I don't think, I don't think taking the captaincy from Logan towards the answer, especially with everything going on. Like, I think that there's a lot of things that have happened, but I think there's a lot of accountability that needs to go beyond. Like, it's it's really easy to just look at the guy with the C on his sweater and go, well, clearly that's the problem, right? Like, I understand. Like, again, I'm not I'm not a huge couture for captain guy, but I think it's really unfortunate that he I think he takes more blame for things going on than than he probably should as far as the team like I think coaching is I think the coaching staff has to be more accountable for this and I think management has to be more accountable for this I you know at the end of the day I mean now I don't know what you do because Vander Kane is nuclear waste at this point like no one's taking him so I don't know what you do with him. I don't know. And if that, like, it sucks because, like, I don't, I don't like the, I don't like the, the notion that, oh, well, the Sharks are going to, you know, the Sharks have chosen Kane over Hurdle. I don't think that's the case. I just think they're in a bad situation that they can't get out of at this point. The buyout windows are closed. I don't know of another team that is going to be like, yeah, gee, this guy seems like complete fucking hell on it on on your roster and he's caused all these culture problems i'll take that player like even you know even a team that would usually would normally like an arizona who would normally be like yeah give me all your picks and we'll take that player because we have so many players on the ltir we can fit them under our cap and everything will be cool they're not even going to look at them twice and the problem with the Evander Kane thing is NHL contracts are guaranteed. You can't just cut a guy. You can't just send him home because you don't like him anymore. I mean, you could, you could suspend him with, you know, you could suspend him indefinitely, I guess, and continue paying him, but it's going to count against your cap. Like, I don't, I don't know what the sharks are supposed to do at this point. And, you know, like, I don't, I, I think the idea of oh well they've chosen well now they've chosen Kane over 
over hurdle. I don't think that's the case. I just think they're in a shitty situation where there just might not be a good way out. Yeah, I think they're. I think the sharks right now are looking for the. I don't know. Path of least resistance is the right term for this, but just the um, the trap door. Yeah, yeah, you know. God, this is going to be a horrible comparison, but it's like the United States is trying to withdraw troops from Afghanistan. There's no easy way of making that happen. You can you just pull the troops out, sure, but that there's going to be uh, repercussions of that. And it's kind of the same thing with Evander Kane, where yeah, you could you could rip the Band-Aid off, but it's going to hurt a bit. Mm-hmm. Or you can let it heal, but it's going to take a while. And hopefully the scab will go away sooner than later. And, like, it's funny. The, the podcast has been very worldly, world, bleh, worldly tonight. I, I, I had a George, ref, George Bush reference earlier. Now we've talked about it. Like, geez, this podcast tonight. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, look, at at the end of the day, I think that the Sharks have a tough decision to make when it comes to Hurdle. Because, again, I like the player, but I also understand the business aspect of it. And yes. I understand that sometimes your favorite player is going to go. Like, that's just the reality of the NHL, unfortunately, right? Players move. Players move a lot, unfortunately. Um, so... I think at the end of the day, I think the Sharks have a really crappy business decision to make uh, when it comes to Hurdle because you do you add another contract? Do you and and let's 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 be clear about something here. I think that the three team no trade list is gonna is gonna vanish now, and we're gonna go back to the no movement clauses because expansion's over. And the reason why the new movement clauses disappeared was because expansion. And I think now that expansion's over, they're going to make a big comeback. Not only in San Jose, but probably across the league. Oh, joy. So, you know, that's something you have to consider. If you're going to re-up hurdle, is that going to come with a no-move clause? You know, that's something you got to consider. I, there's no easy answer here. That's, and I, I think, think that's the I point think. I'd like to finish on. Like, there's really no I, easy answer. It, you say, yeah, you got to keep Hurdle because, you know, Hurdle's the likable guy. But at the same point in time, like, if this doesn't get back on the rails and there's no, there's not a whole lot of signs that it will, like, at some point you have to start tearing it down. And Hurdle's one of the easiest places to start with. Because, again, if this team can't get good by the time they're good again, is Hurdle going to be the the wily veteran or is he you know the wily veteran that you want to keep around because he's seen hell and he's traumatized war vic you know traumatized war war refugee or do you want to you know have a new look across the board and and the thing is based on the interview that he had yes you also have to wonder how much does Tomash Hurdle want to stay in San Jose? Again, if the Sharks aren't near a playoff berth, you have to trade him because he likely is not re-signing with the Sharks. Yeah. 
I would almost guarantee that, just based off the interview that he had. I mean, the fact that, you know, the fact that he said he doesn't even, he doesn't know if the Sharks want to keep him, like... I Is that think... negotiating though? Like, and that's the thing I I, I did want to actually I did want to ask the question. Like, some of this has got to be just negotiating, right? Like, if he just comes out and says, "Yeah, I want to stay in San Jose. San Jose is the best." I I can't keep doing the the really fast talk, but you know, San Jose is the greatest place I've ever played. I want to be here forever. Like, that kind of weakens your negotiating leverage mm-hmm. with everything going on, doesn't it? Like, at some like for at sure. some point, he's got to like do some stuff for him too, right? Like, he's got to you know maybe i don't want to stay maybe i need a little more money maybe you know like we don't know how much of that is negotiating as well no that's a good point and i think yeah you're right if if he was to go you know if he was going to do something for the athletic and be like oh yeah i love like you said i love san jose it's the best city ever i love playing here go doug wilson's gonna be like well you love playing here so take this deal to stay versus i don't know he says, I don't know if the Sharks want to keep me. I don't know if... What, like, he says what he says, and I think you bring up a good point in saying it is a negotiating tactic, but I think there's just something about it that's really weird. Like, mm-hmm. why... Like, he says, I don't know if the Sharks want to keep me. Why wouldn't they? You know? Like, unless... Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I'm just basing this solely on what Doug Wilson says, where the idea is to accumulate future assets while also trying to be a playoff team. And as I said, you know, 20 minutes ago, you know, you don't get better by trading away your best player. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, the situation with the Sharks sucks. Um, and hopefully. Hopefully it'll get better. Like, because like I said, off the top, like this is the least excited I've been for Sharks hockey. Now, probably once the puck drops, that will, some of that will dissipate and go away once there's actually games and stuff to talk about. But man, this summer has been, it's been a mess. Um, Let's get some final thoughts in, Kevin. Uh, I'll start with you. What's your final thoughts on the night, my friend? Happy trails, Marcus Sorensen. Enjoy your $14 million U.S. over in Sweden yeah, that you good for absolutely yeah, should have taken because you won't make that money here. Um, and please tutor William Eklund to your the best of your abilities. There as you well. go. Um, I My final thought, you know, I, I, I try to be right more than wrong. Uh, I try not <laughs> to be wrong. But what a concept, you know? But I'm also willing to fess up when uh when i am wrong are you gonna finally admit that you were wrong uh when i was talking about how much i liked noah gregor five years ago wait what (laughs) never mind continue your story uh so six years ago we're not five five years ago is too soon six years ago (laughs) on this date I put out a tweet that oh, I no. uh, <laughs> I should probably just delete, to be quite honest. But I will fess up here. Six years ago, I said the San Jose Sharks currently only have five NHL-ready defensemen. It wouldn't hurt them to give Ian White a tryout. Yeah, that didn't age so well, knowing that he had his post-concussion psychotic breakdown. But then I couldn't stop. Then I had to... Then I had to add on and say, also, Daniel Paye is better than Barkley Goodrow. Now, in my defense, at the time, six years ago, Daniel Paye was.
was better than Barkley Goodrow. In fact, Daniel Paye had a lot of the qualities that Barkley Goodrow has now. Unfortunately, Daniel Paye found himself having his career ended in Sweden by a vicious Mike Richards-esque elbow, whereas Barkley Goodrow has won two cups in a row and is getting fat money in the Big Apple. So, um, yeah, there's a tweet that we will never bring up again. Um, I'm at Kevin Lacey 22. Follow me for better content with better knowledge now six years later. <laughs> Hockey jerk. Okay, so you can follow me on Twitter uh, at hockey underscore jerk. Um, if you feel compelled, if you don't like me or you want to make fun of me, just don't make anything up. If you're going to make fun of me, say things that are true. I'm down with that. Okay, so a lot of people have been talking about Noah Gregor. Where's Noah Gregor? Why isn't he signed? No arbitration rights. Not a lot of NHL experience. The Sharks are at 50 contracts right now. And for those who don't know, you're only allowed to have 50. So a bit of a pickle. But um, players that you send to the Canadian Hockey League, in this case, um, Ozzy Weisblatt, um, Tristan Robbins comes to mind. When these guys go back to juniors, they won't count for a contract spot. You mean Brandon Coe isn't going to be on the show this year? <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, Kevin, but he won't be. What? <laughs> he, got an, uh, he, he got a number upgrade. He took True's number. Clearly an NHL. Oh, man. <laughs> so fear not. Uh, Noah Gregor will resign as soon as a contract spot opens up. No need to worry there. Now, the point I made about Noah Gregor, and I'm starting to think that Kevin maybe doesn't remember this, but... Uh, <laughs> Five years ago, 2016 NHL draft, we were talking about um, the picks the Sharks made that year. Um, and for those who don't remember, which, why would you? It was five years ago. Uh, the Sharks picked uh, Dylan Gambrell, yep. Noah Gregor, Manny Veterer, Mark Shoemaker, and Joachim Blickfeld. I was a fan of Noah Gregor. We all and were. I, well, and okay. I mentioned <laughs> that on whatever podcast we were doing at the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Kevin was not so you were you. I mean, you were complimentary, but you were kind of like, eh, I don't know about Noah Gregor. I'm not sure yet. I still. I know you bring this up, but I still don't remember ever being on that. Now I do remember after the first training camp saying, I'm not so sure anymore about Noah Gregor. Maybe that's what I'm referring to. However, regardless, um, you know, Noah Gregor is obviously not some elite player yet, um, but I think he's an NHL player, and so, Kevin, uh, do you do you change your mind at all? <laughs> I think oh Noah God. Gregor, man, wow, all right. Um, <laughs> so I like no, I like Noah Gregor, and I think that uh, he's one of those guys who has no business being in the AHL, kind of like mm-hmm. Benson and Marodi and McLeod I mentioned earlier. Um, I don't know what role he has in the NHL, though. Um, right. 
Like, I, I think if he was able to get stronger physically in the offseason, that would help him a lot. Um, he's got the speed for sure. His speed's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's got a very good shot and decent hands. Um, he's got a lot of upside, but I, he is kind of like the overlooked guy. I don't know. I, 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 overlooked by me, at least. Maybe not jerk, obviously. <laughs> but he is the one guy that I think gets lost in the shuffle in this roster. And I don't know where he fits. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. No, I, I, uh, it's not been a month. Bad, it, I just don't know where he fits. Right. No, it, it's been a month since we did a show. So I, I felt I had to just, just poke at you a little bit. Don't make me bust out my Victor Arvidsson. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think, I, I just think when he's been with good players like Couture, I think he's thrived very well. And so I don't, I don't know why he didn't really get that opportunity again last year, but yeah, right. Oh right. well. See, oh, and that goes with the fit. Is I I don't know if he's a Bob Boog like Bob Bugner is a big fan of his. Like the way he deploys Noah Gregor is kind of limiting. Mm-hmm. That's why Bob Bugner shouldn't be the coach of this team. All right. Oh. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't remember what I did last week. So I, I have nothing to like call back to and and beat these guys over the head with, unfortunately, <laughs> um, which is probably <laughs> probably for the better. Um, my final thoughts are this: um, I, I'm look at I'm excited to for hockey to get started soon. Uh, not just the NHL hockey, actually. NHL hockey is probably the least excited hockey I am, but I am excited to see because I think I think the Barracuda is going to be an interesting thing this year, and I do want to watch more Barracuda games this year. I'm super jacked for junior hockey to start again. I, I can't believe how much I've missed going to the rink. Um, and there's a bunch of players that are going to be going back to the OHL, so I am super excited to to circle those dates on the calendar and uh, get my butt to the arena and then be able to come, you know, on a show. I don't know what show, but uh, to tell you guys what's uh, what's what, at least from what I see. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to. We're almost there. Um, the summer from hell is almost over. Let's hope it doesn't become like this COVID where it just, it just never ends. Let's hope the summer of hell ends and doesn't just become the fall of hell and then the winter of hell and then the lack of playoffs of hell. Um, that's, I think, all I can hope for at this point. Like, just Evander Kane, don't be COVID. Yeah, <laughs> that's and that's a terrible, terrible comparison. But at the same time, I feel it's apt because I feel like with every day, this thing gets worse and worse, and it never gets better. But hopefully, hopefully, it will at some point, uh, and uh, we can, you know. Like I said, we've got a ton of content coming up as soon as the, you know, as the puck gets closer to drop. You'll start seeing more familiar faces, I'm sure, uh, on the channel, Teal uh, Teal Town USA, sorry. Um, Teal Tinted Glasses, like I said, probably got at least another show in us, and then we will go from there uh, to see what happens before the season starts. Um, We have gone longer than I thought we would, um, but I guess after being off for a month, we were allowed. Um, So... Like I said, in a couple of weeks, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about Vegas, Vancouver, uh, Los Angeles. I don't think we need to talk about Seattle because like there's no in and out with Seattle. They just they got a team. So 
I think we've given Seattle enough talk. I think we can talk about maybe where they might end up, but uh, that's what uh, that's what we got to look forward to going forward. So uh, we hope that you will uh, come and join us again when we go live next, and I will try and give you more advanced notice next time. Uh, and we thank everyone that was with us tonight. So um, without further ado, that is it. We thank you all for being here and hope you have a fantastic evening. And we will see you soon. Good night.